Today we're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 4. I want to start with a story about my mom. If any of you have ever met my mom, you'll know she is 100% pure-blown spunky. She's got the spiritual gift of spunk. She was in the hospital years ago and uh, about to go into a surgery. I was a, a brand new Christian and, and was there uh, to see her. And she was uh, visibly nervous, as I would have been going into a surgery. And a few minutes before they rolled her in, uh, a uh, chaplain came and said, do you mind if I pray with you? And she said, oh, thank God, I'm so glad you're here. Please pray with me. And he said, well, what's your religious preference? And my mom said, well, Christian. And he said, well, what denomination? And she said, well, I really don't have a denomination. I'm just a Christian. And he said, well, to pray with you, I need to know what denomination. Did you grow up in a denomination? And she was a little bit confused. She said, well, yeah, I was in the Methodist church. And he said, okay. And so he looked at the table of contents in his little prayer book, and I guess he found the Methodist prayer. He flipped over to page such and such, and he started reading the prayer. Dear God, I pray for, and my mom went, wait, 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 wait. And then she screamed out, would somebody please get this guy out of here and get me someone who knows how to pray their own prayers? I thought it was funny, but maybe you didn't. It's it's my mom. And and so what I want to do is talk to you today about praying very bold prayers. Everybody say bold. Bold. All of our churches say bold. bold. Last week we learned that boldness is behavior born out of belief. Boldness is behavior born out of belief. The key thought for today on bold prayers, if you're taking notes, is this. What you pray for reflects what you believe about God. What you pray for, or we could say what you don't pray for, what you pray for it reflects what you believe about God. Uh, Let me try to drive this home. For example, if you don't pray at all, that reflects you don't believe in God or don't believe he answers prayers. What you pray for or don't pray for, it reflects what you believe in God. If you pray very small prayers all the time, just little small prayers, it probably reflects that you don't really believe that God is a God who answers big prayers. If almost all of your prayers are for yourself, bless me, help me, comfort me, be with me, then that reflects the belief that you actually believe God is there to serve you. And people who have that belief, if God doesn't do what they wanted God to do, they get offended and say, well, God must not be real because what you pray for reflects what you believe about God. In fact, our language says a lot about what we believe about God as well. Our language about prayer. For example, uh, I've seen this a bazillion times. Maybe someone's in a really tough situation. Uh, They're trying to figure out, you know, how do I navigate these difficult waters or uh, this challenge in my life? And when they've done everything that they know to do, they often will say something like this. Well, now all we can do is pray. If prayer for you as a last resort, that reflects what you believe about God. I can just see God in heaven going, well, 
You're down to prayer now? You mean it's up to me? Well, you're screwed. You know, it's uh, what can I do? I'm just the God of the what you say, what you pray for reflects what you believe about God. So here's what I want you to do. At all of our different churches, let's just take a moment and I want you to think about what you prayed for last week. Uh, some of you, you might say, well, I don't think I really prayed. That says a lot about what you believe about God. Let's just call it what it is. Some of you might say, I can't really remember what I prayed for. Well, that says a lot as well. Some of you will say, oh yeah, I prayed for this, I prayed for that, I prayed for this, I prayed for that. What I want you to do is go ahead and think about it for a moment and just jot down two or three or four things that you prayed for last week. Now, as you're doing that, I want to ask you this question. If God answered yes to all your prayers last week, you prayed, stamp yes, stamp yes, poof, yes, yes, God just miraculously said yes to everything you prayed, what would be different in the world today? Think about that. If God answered everything that you prayed for last week, what would be different in the world today? Chances are pretty good if you pray like most people in my culture, the only things that would be different would be kind of things that are close to you. For example, if you're a single lady and you're wanting to get married, God would have given you a handsome, on-fire Christian that prays for you. God would have given you the boyfriend. Or if you're married and your husband's not a spiritual leader and you're praying for him to be a spiritual leader, oh man, he's a spiritual leader. Or your wife's more responsive or you would have gotten the raise or you would have qualified for the house you wanted or, or, or your grandma would have been healed of cancer or your friend's marriage that's struggling, their marriage would have been better. Chances are, if you pray, like most people in our culture, the only things in the world that would be different would be those things very close to your little circle. For years, that's how I prayed. I really learned from Amy, my wife, to pray really big prayers because I'm telling you, if God answered every one of the prayers she prayed last week, churches would be overflowing today with salvations out the wazoo because she prays for churches around the world every single day. She prays for revival to break out of churches. She prays for orphans to be adopted uh, by the thousands. She prays uh, for those trapped in, in uh, human trafficking to be set free. She prays really, really big prayers. And I've learned a lot from that. Think about in your own life, if God answered everything that you prayed for last week, what would be different in the world today? I would say, if you really want to make a big difference in this life, you're going to need to learn to pray some very bold prayers. Let's look at the book of Acts. Let me give you some context uh, in case you missed last week. Uh, we're looking at Peter and John uh, and their encounters with Christ in living a bold life in the New Testament. If you remember last week, uh, Peter preached boldly and called a group of people a corrupt generation, told them to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. And miraculously, 3,000 people were born into the family of God. And then they traveled along and, and came across a guy uh, at the, a gate called Beautiful outside the temple who had been lame for 40 years. In other words, he couldn't walk for over 
40 years. And they boldly said, uh, pick up your mat, walk. And all of a sudden, miraculously, this guy walked. Well, the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, were very disturbed by this because uh, these guys were preaching the resurrection of the dead, that Jesus was raised. The Sanhedrin uh, didn't believe in uh, the resurrection. They brought and arrested Peter and John, put them on trial, circled them as the Sanhedrin would do, and said, by what name, by what authority are you doing these things? And they said, let us state clearly, we're doing this in the name of Jesus Christ, the man that you crucified, but who God raised from the dead. In other words, they were full on, full blown, bold. Well, the religious leaders would have loved to have kept them imprisoned or perhaps even killed them for what they were doing. But because the crippled guy was now healed, they couldn't do it because everybody would have revolted seeing this miracle. And so against their own wishes, they had to release Peter and John. And that's where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Here's what Scripture says. On their release... Peter and John went back to their own people. They went to the the Christians and they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. They would have said, they threatened us. They said, don't ever speak in this name again. And so they're telling them, here's what happened. When they heard this, here's what the Christians did. They did what? All of our churches say this aloud. The Bible says they raised their voices, what? They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Wow, I love that phrase. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. There is something incredibly powerful when believers come together and lift up things in prayer to God. In fact, um, some of you, you may be wired a little bit more like me. I'm never the guy, honestly, who lines up to be the first one at the seven-hour prayer meeting. I just don't. I, I don't like to get in there and hold hands and sling snot and pray on and on and on and on and on, because there are just things that make me uncomfortable. The whole hand-holding thing, for one thing, you got people on both sides, and you never know. You're like over with one guy and under with other, and, you're, and then you're trying to figure out intertwined or cupped, you know, when you're holding the hands. And that's awkward. And then inevitably you've got unequally yoked hand partners. You've got the dead fish guy that's just like, wake up, you know, give me something. And then, then you've got the, the, the hard gripper that when the louder they pray, the more he's, and you're like, let not, and so anyway, I don't know how I got off on that, but the only rule you need to know, if you're a new Christian, you get in a prayer meeting, just hold hands, just, but at the end of the prayer, when they say, in Jesus' name, amen, you just give a little squeeze. That's just, that just signs off on there, and then you let go. Don't you dare keep holding hands after it. That's like weird, just in a bad way. Just let, in Jesus' name, amen, and you're out, okay? And you move, so... Anyway, <laughs> just that might be helpful one day. The, there is, the, even though that may not be your natural nature, there's something incredible. When, when I pray with someone, I may not have a lot of faith for something, but I hear someone else praying. And it's almost like I get to climb up on top of their faith. And then I pray and it builds my faith. And there's like this cumulative exponential faith. And, and, and when you read scripture, there's power when believers come in agreement before God. In fact, uh, I'll tell you a story. For the last seven years, uh, my family has gone to um, their family camps where all of us go to a camp together. Well, this year, uh, 
last two years, we went to Canacuck Family Camp, and we went with about 14 of the families that we do life with. I mean, this is just, we just do life with these families. We help raise each other's kids. Uh, and there's one of these kids that's one of the finest young men uh, that I've ever known. The guy is 15 years old. His name is Court, and he's battling a, a brain tumor. One of the guys in, uh, in our group, Robert Mitchell, he's a, he's a firefighter, he uh, said he had a vision to pray for court. And so he gathered all of us and said, I want all the men to lay hands on court. And what this does is it symbolizes the strength of God. Then I want the women and children to gather around in a circle, and that represents the love of God. And this is what we did. I will never forget as long as I live the, the beauty and the power of the presence of God. When we joined our voices together in prayer, you could just sense God was there. And that's what these believers were doing. Under extraordinary persecution, they came and this is the prayer they prayed to God. Verse 24, the middle of the verse. They said, Sovereign Lord. Everybody say Sovereign. Sovereign means basically, God, you're the man. You're in charge, ultimately, overall, you have the final word and say always. And watch how God-focused this prayer is. Sovereign Lord, you make the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit. Verse 27, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And, and they're, they're starting their whole prayer with this massive God consciousness. They're telling you, you're the supreme creator. You ordained all this. You're in charge. You're the sovereign Lord. Now, I can guarantee you God didn't need to hear that. God's like, like, oh yeah, thanks for reminding me. I forgot I am in charge. Very likely what they were doing, it was kind of posturing themselves in the right position of worship to a holy God. It's almost like they're reminding themselves, God, you are supreme over all. And then as they did that, they prayed two of the boldest prayers. And it is my prayer that we as a church would pray and live these bold prayers. Because if we're going to make a difference in this world, we cannot be half-hearted, lukewarm, cultural Christians, but fully devoted followers of the Lord Jesus Christ who would live boldly for the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. And I want to encourage you to pray these two bold prayers. The first one, if you're taking notes, we're going to pray for boldness. That's, we're going to ask God to make us bold. Verse 29, they said this. Now, Lord, consider their threats. What were the threats? We don't know for sure. We can only assume it was beating them, putting them in prison, or killing them. And that's likely what their threats were. Lord, consider their threats. And then here's what they prayed. And enable your servants to do what? To speak your word with great boldness. What did they do? they prayed for even more boldness. Now, if I'm looking on objectively, I'm thinking to myself, isn't boldness what got you arrested the first time? In other words, aren't you already bold? And yet, they're praying for even more 
boldness. If I uh, were consulting them in today's culture and environment, I'd probably say, you need to lay off that whole Jesus thing. Let's lay low for a while. We don't want to get you arrested. Let's keep you safe because without you, we can't really do the work. And besides, it's almost football season and you've got season tickets. And if you're in prison, you can't go and cheer on your football team. Sorry, I know that offends some of you, but, but it's, and they're praying for even more boldness. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever prayed for boldness? Have you ever just prayed, God, make me bold? Uh, most of the people I asked this week, have you ever prayed for boldness? They're like, oh, uh, no, no. Well, why not? Well, because I haven't thought of it. Or because it's kind of scary. Oh, I like my comfortable life. Uh, the bottom line, I think, is because boldness is an other-centered prayer. Boldness typically doesn't help me. Boldness is for the benefit of someone else to help them know the love of God through Jesus Christ. And let's be honest, most of our prayers we pray are very self-centered. Help me make an A on this test. Help me give a good presentation. Help me to get the raise. Help grandma to be healed. Help me to get the new car. And in Jesus' name, I pray that this pimple would go away by the dance on Saturday. Amen. You know, they're, they're, they're mostly self-centered prayers. But when you pray for boldness, which is what I've been doing, I've been studying these texts for uh, about four, maybe five weeks getting ready for this. I've prayed every day, make me bold, make me bold. And God has. Uh, In fact, Amy and I, we used to go on exciting dates, but with six kids and all our responsibilities, our date nights now are at the grocery store. Sorry to disappoint you, but it is romantic. We we sometimes make out in the frozen food aisle and stuff. (laughs) We we go to the grocery store and uh, uh, we went to uh, Walmart uh, this Friday, and uh, my big discovery was that they have triple, double stuffed Oreo cookies. Glory to God. Tri- I, I didn't even know that was possible. Triple, double stuff. I didn't know that was possible. But the good news is all things are possible with God. Can somebody say amen? Uh, anyway, so anyway, I discovered that, and I snuck them in the bottom of the basket where Amy didn't see, and I've hidden them in the house and do not tell. Anyway, so we're at uh, Walmart, and this guy came up to me and said, uh, oh man, I'm from the South Tulsa campus. I'm so glad to see you. And we're talking for a while. And then he got real honest, and he said, ma'am, he said, I am struggling with an addiction to pornography, and I hate it, but I can't stop. Would, Would you mind praying for me? And I said, sure, I'll pray for you. That usually means we pray later. And I just said, you want to pray now? Anyway, in Walmart? I said, I'll pray if you want me to. And all of a sudden he smiled and he said, let's pray. And so I just kind of put my hands on his shoulder because I'm not holding hands with another man in Walmart. <laughs> and, and I... I just started praying. Now, I wasn't praying loud, and I wasn't being, you know, like, you know, bind up that demon of pornography in this lust-filled man. And I just prayed, you know, bold prayer. And, and then I, to be honest, I actually peaked, which is legal, because Scripture says, watch and pray. And so I'm... I'm in Walmart, you never know. And so, I'm, and this other couple's like walks up and stands right by us. I'm like, that's odd. And so I kind of wrapped up the prayer and get, he said, you know, go be free. And the, the next, the couple walks up and like, Pastor Craig, you're praying, our marriage is struggling. Would you pray for us? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> and so we start praying and then, and God is my witness, there's another lady who walks up. I'm like, come on up. And I said, <laughs> I said, what, what campus do you go to? And she went, what's a campus? 
I said, aren't you from Life Church? She goes, what's Life Church? I just saw you praying and wondered if you pray for me. I said, absolutely. Let's, let's just pray. And I'm, I'm telling you, you pray for boldness, you better be careful. You may be praying by the cat food in Walmart. I just, I dare you, I double dog dare you, I triple double stuffed Oreo cookie dare you. You just, you pray. Pray an other-centered prayer. Use me today. Use me for your glory. Make me bold. Stir me up. Give me eyes to see needs of those that I work with. Give me a heart sensitive to those who are hurting. Uh, Give me a prompting of the Spirit to minister to those that are around me. You pray and you watch as God will do something in you and stir you on to boldness for his glory. glory. Pray for boldness. The second thing that we see in their prayers is they teach us to pray for miracles. They, they pray for boldness. Lord, uh, consider the threats. Enable your servants to speak the word of God boldly. And then they pray for miracles. Verse 30, they say to God, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through, your, uh, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They're going to pray big prayers. Heal sick people. Raise the dead. Help us cast out demons. Do miraculous signs. They're praying big, bold prayers. You want to make a big and bold difference in this world? You pray big, bold prayers. Because what you pray for reflects what you believe about God. You pray small prayers, you're believing in a small God. Most of us, we pray small prayers. The prayers I listen to often with people I'm praying with. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this day. Wonder if God's saying, you said that for the last 43 years. I understand. God, be with us. Be with us. God's like, okay, I promised you I would, so I will. I'll never leave you. I'll never, you can ask for it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Give us traveling mercies today. Sometimes I think God would probably say, put on your seatbelt, drive the speed limit. Chances are pretty good you'll make it safe. Yeah. Ask me something hard. Give me something, give, give me something that's so big that when it happens, everybody's going to know I did it, says God. Pray bold prayers. Pray for something big. What you pray for reflects what you believe about God. My pastor, Pastor Nick Harris, was teaching us in a staff Bible study years ago about praying for big things. I went that week after hearing him full of faith. Uh, I went and taught at a, a youth camp. I was in my early 20s or so, and I just taught away, and there was this guy uh, that was um, obviously not uh, believing what I was saying about God. He had his hands in, he was up mad and just kind of angry vein coming out, you know, the whole deal. And afterwards, the kid came up to me and he said, uh, I don't get it, I don't believe it, I'm not buying it, and I'm out of here. And he was kind of harsh, and I, and I said, hey, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, let's talk. I understand you don't get it, but let's just talk. And you're obviously hurting what's going on. And he started to open up, and he had a lot of issues with his dad and all sorts of hurts. And, and I felt like God wanted me to do something, to pray for him. And I said, do, do you mind if I pray for him? And he said, you can pray, but it's not going to do any good. Lots of people pray for him, it's not going to do any good. I said, that's fine. Do you mind if I pray for you? So I'm doing a double prayer. I'm about to pray for him, and then I'm praying, God, what do I pray? All of the best. You can do that when you're the pastor, a double prayer. And, and so I felt like... God wanted me to do something that I've never done before, and I've never done this since. It's the only time my whole life I've ever done this. I just, I looked at this kid, and I prayed, 
God, I ask you right now, in the name of your son Jesus, to reveal yourself to him now. Okay. For the record, there's very little wiggle room when you pray a prayer like that. Right? There's, just, there's, there's like no wiggle room. And I just prayed and I believed that God wanted to reveal himself to that kid. I didn't know how, didn't know what, and I just prayed, reveal yourself to him now. And when I prayed that, the kid opened up his eyes, God is my witness. And he, he just started shaking and he said, oh my gosh, I think God is on me. I think God is on, God is my witness. And so he's doing that and he's got, he starts shaking. So I take a big step back because I don't know what's about to go down. And this kid, who 20 seconds before didn't believe in God, starts saying, God is on me, and he just kind of crumbled and fell to the ground and just started crying and just cry, crying out. And I knelt down and I put my arm around him, and we did fling snot. There was crying and there was praying, and when he stood up, he was a different man. And he was different because someone believed that God could do what God said. Pray bold prayers. Pray bold prayers. Pray bold prayers. Pray bold prayers. You, you say, well, what if it doesn't happen? Well, why do so many people not pray bold prayers? Well, because what you pray for reflects what you believe about God. If some people think, well, uh, I don't want to be disappointed. I tried before it didn't work. I don't want to make God look bad. So we give God these escape clauses. If it be thy will in Jesus' name. And you know, give God, I, I'll tell you, here's where I am. And I want you to hear this with all my heart. I have no fear anytime, anywhere, asking God for anything because I have seen him do things that are totally unexplainable in every human terms. Now, does that mean God always does it? No, 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 the, no, not at all. My, my friend, Pastor Stephen uh, Furtick, when he taught our church on his book, Sun Stand Still, Joshua prayed and the sun stood still. Well, sometimes you pray for the sun to stand still and the sun sets. Listen. Here's where my faith is. My faith is big enough in God that I can ask him for something and my faith can handle God saying no. My faith can handle God saying no because he is the sovereign God. He's in charge. He's in charge. Uh, there's a couple in our church named uh, Kevin and Amanda. Amazing couple. Uh, Kevin at the age of 29, had a ruptured brain aneurysm. You usually die from that, right? Uh, he lived. No one in um, our community would operate on him. There were only two doctors in our country that would. One was in San Francisco. So he went out for um, brain surgery. They operated on him. And then he spent the next month in a ICU. It took him one year to learn to talk, to learn to walk, and to learn to eat on his own. Uh, he went on to have a very normal, healthy life, thank God. Uh, but several years later, they found another aneurysm. And you can only imagine what that did for them. The good news is they had bold faith. And I want them to tell you the rest of the story. It rocked my world. I didn't think I'd be able to walk my daughter down the aisle or see her turn one. Or it rocked my world. I would say our prayers became very bold in the sense that we weren't just praying for Kevin to survive and that God would get him through this. And um, we 
specifically prayed for healing. And I meet with a girls' Bible study group, and I explained how you know Kevin had read the Sunstand Steel book, and that we were really believing in a miracle. And so I asked them, you know, pray with us for a miracle. Pray with us for complete healing. That when we go, they won't find it. That it'll be gone. The uh, anesthesiologist goes, "You're going to feel something tingly here," and I'm like. It's all right. I'm in surgeries every day. You're putting me out. You know, I understand. Then I said, real quick, doctor, and this is crazy, but I did it. And I said, I don't know what you believe about God. And really, right now, I don't care. You know, I'm not here to give you a sermon or anything, but I want you to know that I believe when you go in, that my God has healed me and you will find nothing. And I was out. Two doctors come through the door and look at me and they say, yeah, is this your family? And I said, no, this isn't my family. And they said, oh, we can go somewhere private to talk. And I said, no, it's okay. It's all right. And so they came in and for all of these other people to hear, they looked at me and said, it's gone. And they said, in 24 years, we've never seen anything like this. It's completely gone. And I'm just in shock, but at the same time, just wanting to jump through the roof because I'm like, he did it. My God did it. He did it. He showed up and he showed off for all the world to see. And I, I was still kind of in shock and I put my hand on his shoulder and he said, if you believe in God, then I would call this a miracle. I love Craig. He's such a a gifted communicator. We're heading into a new year. I want to share just a few thoughts with you as we do that. One of the things that moved me the most is when my pastor shared one time the reason that the children in Christian families walk away from the church when they reach college age is because they've grown up in a church where they're taught that what Christianity is really all about is about being a good boy or a good girl and behave in the right way. And he said, that's not a compelling marketing pitch. That's not a compelling vision for a person's life to be good. What is a compelling vision is saying, listen, God has put you on this earth for a purpose. He has you here for a reason and he wants to do things in you and through you that are going to stretch you past your own capacity all the way to the place where you're going to have to rely on him to get you through it. But you're going to see God move supernaturally in you and through you. If you're bold enough to believe God for it, if you have the faith to walk in it, that's a challenge. That's an adventure. That's compelling. And as we head into the new year, I want to challenge you. And I'm challenging myself at the same time. What are your hopes for the new year? Because there has to be more to life than saying, man, 2015 is the year I pay off my car. There has to be more to life than that. 2015 is the year. I get a better nameplate on my desk. That's what my life is about in 2015. That's not compelling. Those are good things, but they won't satisfy you. They won't make you fulfilled. I know for every single one of us, there are things this year coming up, 2015, that God wants to do that are going to stretch our faith. But here's the good news. If we'll say yes to God, we will see a move in our lives in an incredible, amazing, indescribable way. That's what I want to see, and I pray that that's what you want to see as well. When we read the Lord's Prayer, I find the priority of the prayer fascinating. You might know it. I say it in King James English because that's how I learned it. I grew up in South Africa, and they still made us say it in our school assembly every week. 
And so it begins with our Father who art in heaven. So the Father is the focus. Hallowed be thy name. His glory is the focus. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. His agenda is the focus on earth as it is in heaven. And then we get down to give us this day our daily bread. And so I think when the Bible says we do not have because we do not ask, it could just as equally say we do not have because we do not know what to ask for. And many times we think that the greatest thing God wants to do in our life is solve our small problems so that things can go a little more smoothly. We can have just enough increase in one area to sleep a little bit better at night. But the God of the Bible wants to do so much more than that in our lives. And so as we head into these 21 days of prayer, my challenge to you is to spend the rest of this week getting ready Get ready. And what I mean by that is ask God, what do you want me to pray for? I know what I want to pray for. I'm going to pray for those things. But I also want to know what the Lord wants me to pray for. Because I know that my vision is limited. My dreams are limited. But God is the one who knows everything, what I'm called to do, where I'm called to be, who I'm called to do it with. He knows it all. And so this week, I want to challenge you. Would you just ask God the question, what do you want me to pray for? And I think Craig hit on a few of the things this morning. Man, a prayer for boldness, an other-centered prayer that, yes, Lord, there's things I want to see you do in my life, but I want to see you do things through me, not just in me. Wouldn't it be amazing if 2015 is the year for all of us where we can all at the end of it say, God did more through me this year than any other year of my life. So let's pray together. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And let me pray for us. Father, our prayer this morning is that we would not miss out on the great and incredible and significant things that you want to do in us and through us for your glory. Father, help us to avoid the trap of building an entire life that is all about us. Because we want more than that, Lord. Father, I pray for every person in the room right now. We pray first for all those personal areas, those relationships in our lives that need healing, those financial burdens that we need lifted, those physical sicknesses and infirmities that need healing. God, we lift those up to you, and I pray for each of us that you would find in us the faith that you deserve, the faith that views you as the God you really are, your character for what it is, a loving, caring father, your power for what it is, a God who can do anything, a God who can do all things. Father, I pray you would stir faith in our hearts. But then, God, I pray you would stir a desperation and a hunger in us to be used by you to change our world, the people you've put in our lives, the places you've put in our lives. Lord, would you fill us with boldness, that we would speak your word with boldness, that we would see you move through us, that we wouldn't be lulled into a comatose state by the comfort of our existence, but that this would be the greatest adventure we've ever had this year. That we would reach the end of ourselves so that we can finally see you do something incredible. Because you're the only one who could do it. 
God, we pray you'd take everything that we are, everything you've given us, and use it for your glory. Give us your vision for our lives, Lord. We know it's greater. We know it's more significant. We know that it is eternal. And that's the vision we want. We want your vision for our lives. So, Lord, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would fill us with your vision for our lives right now in Jesus' name. Would you bring those things to mind, God, for your fame and for your glory, Lord. As we worship, as we take communion, would you continue just to direct our minds to your mind, our heart to your heart, that we would be in absolute unity with you, that our desires would match yours, Lord God. In your precious name we pray, amen.